I really prayed about this lesson this morning because it's tough. Uh, last week was tough, and this week is tough. It's the Word of God, and we need it, and especially needed in our day today. But Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, Paul deals with sexual sin, deals with all kinds, which includes uh, any type of lust. And we live, in a, we live in a society that is permeated by sexual uh, bombardment. And uh, it, if we're not careful, we fall into... Uh, it's easy. Sexual sin is when you think wrong about sexuality, when, when you lust, when you view uh, a lot of the images we see today, just por- pornographic. Um, and so we have to be well on our, our guard. Paul started this letter as a rebuke of the church for their division because of pride, and this falls in that same category. This is a problem of pride that he begins to deal with and then deals with the issue of sexuality in general. So read with me in, in verse 1, we get the specific sin. He said, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. So probably his stepmother, not his mother, but his stepmother. And the indication is she's not a member of the church, but the man is, and he's still participating, and everybody in the church knows it. Um, that is against the moral law for the Jews, Leviticus uh, chapter 18, verse 6 through 8, be in the notes later, and it's, uh, it's against the moral law for Gentiles, Romans chapter 1, and so it is wrong morally, and everyone knew it, and nobody cared. So that was the, the sin of the person. And then he, in verse 2, talks about the church, because that's who he's talking to, is the church. He said, and you, the church, are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. So he's saying that because of your pride, that's what puffed up means, because of your pride, you're not holding him accountable accountable for his actions, and, uh, and it is... Uh, wrong. You have not mourned. It, should, it hasn't broken your heart that he has done this, that he is doing this. He's, he's continued uh, to doing this. And he needs to be taken away from uh, among you. Um, and In a little bit, we're going to look at the uh, uh, church's relationship to the world or our relationship to the world. But, but here, Paul is emphasizing what he said previously about the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and the church is to be uh, not to defile the temple. We, you remember we read that and studied that in the last couple of weeks, that we're not to defile uh, the temple without being held accountable. You remember Paul actually said that if you defile the temple, and in that con- context he's talking about the church, if you defile the church, um, you will be held accountable by God. You will be destroyed, is what he said. Now, destroyed doesn't, doesn't have to do with losing your salvation. It has to do with your, uh, with your life and uh, the joy and the peace you have in Christ as a, as a believer. And so we're going we're to look a little bit at the world, but now he's just speaking about, uh, about the church. And Paul now gives his judgment uh, in verse 3. 
For I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as far as though I were present with you, him who has so done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is serious stuff. So what he's saying to them, we have a term called excommunication. He is saying to him, put him out of the church. Put him out of the church and, and that you might, um, for the destruction of his flesh. He, he's saying, turn him over to Satan. You know, when, when we read that, we first think about Job. Uh, Job was turned over to Satan. Do you remember reading the book of Job? And, and uh, he wasn't, he didn't lose his salvation. He didn't lose his knowledge in relationship with the Lord. He just simply went through the trial that Satan brought into his life. And even in Job's case, it was a purifying thing for Job. It seems unfair to us when we read the whole, the whole book, and especially to get to the end. It just seems unfair to, to us what Job went through. I, it does to me. I don't know about you. Uh, I mean, here he's living his life. He's worshiping when it opens. And all of a sudden, Satan says, I desire to tempt him. And the Lord said, go ahead. And that uh, you have this certain amount of liberty over him, and you're not to take his life. And so uh, it's, just, it's just astounding to me. But when you come to the end of it, here's, here's what here, God said, Job, you're not God. I'm God. And then, and he said that in three chapters. I'm just paraphrasing. But then Job said, I had heard of you, talking to God, I had heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now I see you. Job said, I have a revelation of who you really are. Uh, I, I'm going to say, uh, in my own opinion, Job had this wealth and he was serving the Lord and he had pride about it. And the Lord took that away from him. Uh, Job said, um, I, 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 I humble myself. And basically that's what Job did. I humble myself, and I have seen you with my eye, and I am nothing in your sight. That's basically what Job said. And you know, that's what, that's what Paul is saying to the church here, that you let this man, you put him in the world. Not, don't, don't give him the protection don't, of the church, but you put him in the world. If he wants to live in the world, put him in the world, and put him out of the church, and let the world have its way with him. And it's not a matter of salvation, but it's a matter of the holiness of God. The, the church is the body of Christ. This church is the body of Christ. Down the streets, the body of Christ. Across town, if they're Bible-believing churches, they're the body of Christ. But we collectively, Paul's going to deal with it later. You may be the arm, you may be the foot, you may be the eye, you may be the ear. Collectively, we make up the body of Christ. You're important, I'm important. Uh, we function together, and when I sin, it hurts you. And when I sin, publicly, uh, grievously, uh, and when I'm saying publicly, the, 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 the public knows about it. When I sin, it damages the image of Christ. And so what happens, he's, he's saying to them, your pride has kept you from doing that. Now, what would their pride be? Their pride would be they were tolerant. They were tolerant of this evil and not taking action. 
They were saying, well, we have this liberty in Christ. We're saved eternally. We're not going to lose our salvation, so we can do kind of what we please and then ask God to forgive us. <laughs> That's all for presumptuous, by the way. Uh, you know, we all, if you're honest, we all might have those thoughts. We think, well, you know, I'm, not, I'm questionable about this behavior. I'm questionable about this choice I'm making. And, and every now and then, you know, when your pastor and people call you and say, Here, here's my dilemma, what do you think I should do? And I always told them, if you are troubled enough about to call me, you shouldn't do it. Uh, that's your conscience saying to you, there's a question about that. If it's questionable, don't do it. And uh, so, and, and I need to tell myself that. I need to tell myself that. Just because I'm saved and, and no sin that I do is going to send me to hell. You know why? Because I didn't save myself. I can't keep myself saved, but I, I, I can, like last week, I can go to hell on a third-class train, and I can go quicker if I want to, uh, if I behave badly. And that's what Paul is saying. It's a mercy. It's a mercy to the man to make him accountable for his sin and hold him accountable, because then maybe he might quit. Then maybe he might repent and once again enjoy the peace and the, the, uh, the, the joy of the Lord in his life. So he said, you're puffed up. And in his judgment, Paul is saying to them, it's better for this man to go through the judgment of the church than it is to go through the judgment of the Lord. It's better that he be turned over to the world for the destruction of his body and, and, and then it is the outstretched hand of God against him in, in a serious, serious way. So this is, it's difficult. Um, it's difficult for us to practice accountability in the church. I'm going to say to you, when you read this, it's not the pastor's responsibility. It's the church. We're responsible for each other. And I want to be very careful. Here's what David said. Let me give you this. David is an example of this mercy. David wrote, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. I know, Lord, that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. That's Psalms 119, three different verses. So when, when, when we go through that judgment of the church, it keeps us from continuing down that path. It makes us want to repent. When, when the church says to us, uh, you're, what you're doing is publicly sin, and I'm gonna, now let me give you the caution. Uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, if, you, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in, in love or kindness or whatever it says. But it, it means that we are, if someone, not, not if someone has a different personality type from you and you don't like them and you don't like that personality type or they sit in your pew in the church, uh, that, we're not to rebuke people for their pettiness. We're not to rebuke, rebuke people for their, uh, their humanness or, or even their worldliness. We are to hold people accountable in the church for their, for their public grievous sin. That, that's an embarrassment to the church. Now, how do you hold them, up? How do you hold them accountable? Well, the, the Bible teaching, we can't get into it this morning, the Bible teaching, Matthew, you, you, you withdraw fellowship from him. He's going to talk here in a little bit. 
you withdraw fellowship from them. You withdraw fellowship from them personally. You withdraw fellowship from them as a church. They don't take part in communion. They don't have a leadership position uh, that you're saying to them that you're participating in this grievous sin. You're not going to embarrass the church any longer. You, If you want to live like the world, go live in the world. And uh, it's difficult. I've been involved in that. It's very difficult, but it's necessary, and it is restorative. It is a mercy of God. Uh, he gave that for our benefit to practice uh, church discipline. So um, now we're going to look at the church in the world in verse 9. I, I wrote to you in my epistle, so there must have been another one that we don't know. We have, we have 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, but he, there's one that we don't know about that he mentions here. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you must need to go out of the world. So Paul includes not just sexual, not just sexual immorality, but he talks about these other grievous sins, the public sins. And, and he's, he's saying to them, I, I wrote to you, and I wanted you to understand that I'm saying don't keep company with people who behave like that. But I'm not talking about the world. So he's talking about your brethren. He's talking about the church. He's talking about people who profess Christianity. So, and then he says this. He says, you've got you've to live in the world. Uh, you know, sometimes we wonder about, okay, should I do business with people who are only Christian, or should I? You know, it, it, it comes in, a, in, in, our, in, our, in our time today, it, it comes in a multitude of applications. Do I go to a same-sex wedding? Do I give a, a birthday present to someone who is a partner in same-sex relationship? I, I mean, how, how do I deal with that? How do I... How do I befriend them? And now, we're not talking about the church now. We're talking about the world. Or, or do I do business with someone who curses? Do I do business with someone who's a drunkard? Do I do business with someone, and it may not be good business practice to do something with a drunkard, but, you know, do I, and, and here Paul is saying, you live in the world. You have to. If not, you've got to go out of the world. And so, I, you know, if, if I'm going to have surgery, I don't care whether the, the, the surgeon is a believer or not. I mean, I do care in a sense, but I, I want him to be a good surgeon. I want him to have gone to school and know what he's doing. I, I want him to be good at what he does. Same thing with the plumber. You understand that? And so he's saying, but in the church, it is different. Let me give you my opinion, okay? I'm putting quotes in. In my opinion about the, about the world we live in. You know, we're living in a world that's gone crazy. Uh, gender, I don't even have to describe to you. You know all about it. But, but, you know, what we don't have to do when we're doing business with the world, when we're involved with the world, when we're working with people, when, when we are going to where our kids play ball or whatever we're doing, we, we can't help rubbing shoulders with people. We can't help doing business with people who are immoral and who are practicing deviant lifestyles. But I don't have to say that it's real. 
if a person says, that's a man who says, there's a wo- that says they're a woman, it is not real. They can say whatever they want to. They can even believe it if they're, if they're crazy. But, but it is not real, and I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to acknowledge it. I, you know, and, and if, if, two, if two people of the same sex get married, I don't, have, I, I don't have to acknowledge that that's a real marriage. It is not a real marriage. And so I want, I want you to understand, they have a right to do it. They have a legal right to do it. It is immorality according to Scripture, but they may not know Scripture. They may not care about Scripture. Uh, they have a conscience that God has given them. Romans chapter 1 says they know that it's wrong, but they're glorifying the creature themselves rather than the Creator. And so they're, they're, they're doing it, but they're doing it in violation of their own moral conscience and they're doing it in violation of God's moral law, whether they're a Jew or a Gentile, it is God's moral law, and, and they're doing it in defiance of God, and I don't have to recognize it as being real. Now, that, not, that non-recognition might cost me my job, it might cost me their business, it might cost uh, them my business, it might whatever, it might damage whatever relationship's there, but I'd rather do that for the Lord's sake. And then, uh, again, I don't have to condemn them. I, I don't have to preach them. I don't have to do any of those things. Uh, I want to be a witness for the gospel toward them because that's what they need. But I don't have to say that I'm going to acknowledge your choices. I don't have to acknowledge your choice. It's not real. Does that make sense to you? Now, that's where I am. Uh, I, I don't know where you are, but I do want you to understand, um, I, I know people who practice um, homosexuality and uh, who are involved in those things, and, and I, I'm, not, I'm not on a crusade to change them, I'm, I'm on a crusade to present the gospel to people, and, uh, but I don't have to acknowledge it's real. I don't, I don't celebrate it in any way. And I, I, I pray for those people who stand up against it in a public way that they're forced to. Uh, you, know, you know, we know about the cake baker in Colorado, and there's a, a multitude of others who stood up against it and said, I'm not going to participate. That You can do it if you want to, but I'm not participating. And, and then it becomes uh, a legal issue. And uh, that's where we are in our society more so than any time in our history. <clears throat> it hasn't been more than any time in the world because this has been common in, in the world. Uh, it's, just, it's just new to us in this last uh, probably 20 years or so. Okay, I hope you, I hope you get out of that. We're, it's not a violation to do business or to associate with people who are practicing these sins in the world. But it is if they do it publicly and are involved in the church. Then we are to hold them accountable. We are to do something uh, about that in love toward them for their sake, not for our own anger. <clears throat> and then he, he says in this passage we just read and in, in these verses that... Uh, um, <clears throat> We need to love people. We are in Christ. We need uh, to love people. So here, here's what he's saying in verse 12. For what have I to do with judging those also 
who are outside, outside the church. Do not judge those, do you not judge those who are inside? He makes that distinction, outside the church, inside the church. But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourself the evil person. Put away, put away from inside the church the evil person, the person who is doing, doing evil. When we read this in chapter 5, I think the man was saved. He was a member of the church. Paul acknowledged that. Paul is saying you do this because he is saved. You do this because he does belong to the Lord. You don't want to lose his soul. He goes on in chapter 6 in the same continuation. And so I put them together uh, this week. In in chapter 6, in verse 1 down through verse uh, 8, he he deals with a different issue. And let me just summarize it for you. This different issue is... Uh, a brother or sister in the church taking another brother or sister of the church to court. And he basically says, don't do that. Get someone in the church to mediate. Get several people to mediate. Get a mediator group and solve it among yourself. Don't take it to the world. Now, I want to make this very clear. He, he, this is not talking about criminal things. This is talking about material things. And uh, I, I'm going to just read through it and then continue my what I say. Verse 1, Dare any of you having a matter against another go, to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Outside the church, inside the church. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, you are unworthy, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Let me just throw this a little happy note in there. In the millennial kingdom, we're going to judge the world. We're, we're going to be uh, Christ's emissary to this world with a judgment um, authority. And uh, for Christ's sake, we'll do it in love in that day. Uh, we do plenty of judging today, uh, not always in love. He's, and then he said, um, verse 3, Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain in this life? If then you have judgment concerning things pertaining to this life, do, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren? For brother goes to law against brother. Uh, that's church members, not just uh, family brothers. And that before unbelievers. Now, therefore, it is, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourself be cheated? Boy, that goes against our grain, doesn't it? Uh, you know, sometimes we do business with people in the church. I'm, I say we. I'm not talking about Donald. I'm talking about all of us. We do business with people in the church, and, and it's very hard to complain, isn't it? We've had this discussion, Don and I, and sometimes we said, well, we'd, you know, we'd do business with people in the church, but then you can't complain. You know, you can't, how do you do that? Uh, you, you can't say, I'm not going to pay you for that or whatever. You, you, just, you, you just can't do that. Uh, so he says, why not rather let yourself be cheated? That just, that, that we don't want to do that. No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. 
that's really trusting God, isn't it? That if I had a conflict with you and I were to go and just say, okay, I want three members of the staff to be mediators and I'm going to tell them my side, you tell them your side, and whatever they say, I will abide by. And if they choose you, I will pay up. And, uh, it, and you, or uh, if you take me to court, instead of me making a court battle, I just say, okay, I don't think I owe you that money, but I'm going to pay up. I'm going to let myself be cheated for the, for the sake of the church's testimony that we don't go to law in a public court before the world and say that these brothers in Christ can't get along. And we allow ourselves to be cheated. That's a strong word, isn't it? We're cheated. It means we were in the right, but we were cheated. <laughs> I'd ask for a testimony if anybody ever done that, but, but I, we don't have time. And it wouldn't, it, it, there's probably not, probably not very many instances that that ever happens. But it should. Okay, let me just say this, and I'm saying it to myself. Wouldn't God make it up to us if not in goods, in grace? God would make it up to us in grace. He would say, okay, you're obedient, you trust me, I got your back, I'll take care of you, and, uh, and, and one day in eternity, I will even things out, and uh, I will make it right in eternity. Uh, that's a lot of faith, and we should have it. I'm not sure I'm there, but we should have it. Now, let me just clarify. The Bible actually teaches you can take people to court. And uh, Paul used his right to be a, uh, a Roman citizen to get his day in court. And I, I, I can't see anything biblically wrong if, that, if, if someone outside the church, now maybe not, a, not, maybe not a brother in another church, but somebody outside the church has defrauded you, you can take them to court and it's not unbiblical to do so. And then we're not talking about criminal cases either. I mean, if someone in the church is, uh, if you're testifying in a criminal case, that, that, that's not what this is covering. This is talking about your personal property and your personal rights being given up. Now, that's interesting. That's thrown in here in the midst of this teaching on sexuality and, and other sins. Because it's, he did mention covetousness in, in chapter 5. And now we get to verse 9, and he's talking about the, uh, the heading in my Bible. says, the sanctity of the body and Christian marriage. So the sanctity of the body. I, I titled it Governing Our Body. We who know Christ, governing our body. Look at the motivation, verse 9. Do, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do, do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. And that covers nearly all of sexual sin. All of the gender dysphoria, all of the same-sex marriages, all pornography, lust. It, it covers everything. Everything, every deviated thing about sexuality you can think about, that covers. Do you not know uh, that they will not... Or, well, and it goes on verse 10 nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And, and now, it's, it's not... Oh, okay, let me finish it. Verse 11. And such were some of you, 
In the past, some of you in the church were that. That's what you did. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. I wish I had time, I wish I had the board in here. That's the theology of God's salvation. You were washed, first of all. You were washed by the Holy Spirit. And then you were sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You didn't do that yourself. You didn't straighten yourself up. God washed you from the, from, from the stain of, of sin, your sin nature. You're sanctified and you're justified by the blood of Christ, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of our God, by the Holy Spirit. And then what, what he's saying, though, is that if you're practicing those things continually, you're not a Christian. There's, not, there's nothing in you. Because you who did those things... And now you're saved, and that's not your life anymore. But such were some of you. We all know people today who are involved in those lifestyles that we could, that's just named there who claim to be Christian. Uh, if you don't know anybody personally, then you, uh, there are churches that are homos- or Baptist churches that are homosexual churches that do same-sex marriages, that... That, that bless unions between two people of the same sex. Uh, there, there are people who, it, there are Baptist churches who uh, bless the gender identity preferences. Uh, and so, but that's, they're not Christian. This is what that says. You know, they are not Christian. They are not washed. They are not, uh, they are not regenerated by Christ. They're not sanctified. They're not set apart by Christ if they practice those things. I, I want you to read it again at verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous, those who practice these things, not just fall into sin, but those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They, will not, they are not saved until they repent of those things if that's what they're practicing regardless of of how much they know about Christ, how much doctrine they know, how much theology they know. Uh, If they believe Christ died on the cross, they have never trusted him, and they are not saved. This is is serious stuff, isn't it? Because we know people like that, and we even care for people like that. Spurgeon said, Salvation in sin is not possible... It must always be salvation from sin. Now, it doesn't mean that I won't lust. It doesn't mean that I won't see pornography. and lust. It doesn't mean, God forbid, that I wouldn't commit adultery. It do, but it, but it, what it does mean, or you, what it does mean is that you don't stay in that lifestyle. That's not your lifestyle. We, we live in the weakness of a fallen body, and sometimes we sin. And uh, I sin, you sin, and sometimes we categorize it, yours is greater than mine, or mine is greater than yours, but it's just sin. It, just a, it's a, it, it is a reproach to the name of Christ, and it's just sin, and our world categorizes it, <clears throat> but we don't stay there. We don't live in sin. We, 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 we fall, but we get up. The proverb said, a, a good man falls seven times, but... He rises again, or the Psalms does. But we, we rise again, we get up, and we repent, 
and we go forward. Changed, we go forward changed, but we go, we go forward. Homosexuality in all of its forms is a rebuke of God's creation. It's rebellion. It's not just a personal choice. It is a rebellion against God because he's the one who creates. He's the one who determines those chromosomes. He's the one who, who determined what marriage should be. He, he's the one who, who determines uh, what a person will be. And, and to choose differently from what he determined is a, is a violation of his nature. It is a rebuke of God. And there will be an accountability for that. There will be a judgment for that. I like it that Paul wrote in verse 11, And such were some of you, but now you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Thank God we are. Thank God we're cleansed. Thank God we are saved. And then he gives some truth as a guide for our actions. Uh, Verse 12, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. <clears throat> Paul's going to go on in this, in this letter, and he, he's going to talk about, you know, they lived in a time where uh, in, Cor- in Corinth there are temple idols, temples to idols, and, and, and people, people use them as meeting places. Uh, we have meals here in the church, and sometimes there are unsaved people come to our meals. Hopefully they come and they hear the gospel, and uh, we want them to come at Easter. We want them to eat breakfast with us, we, and, and, that, and that's just fine. But what happens is that sometimes what he's saying is that there's going to be, in their day and time, their the weddings and ceremonies and birthdays, and a lot of those things happened in temples. Or even if it didn't happen in temple, but it happened in a meeting hall or happened in someone's home, and they were unbelievers, and, and most, of, most of Corinth was unbelievers, then what they would do is that they would, they would take the meat they're going to eat and they would offer it to an idol for the blessing of that idol that they might ingest it. And Paul's going to tell us at some point in time that <clears throat> that is that you can eat that meat because it's nothing, because it's, it, it, there, is no, there is no such thing as an idol. I mean, people, people choose to believe they're idols and they're, they're gods, but they're not. They're pieces of wood or pieces of metal, pieces of glass. Uh, they're, they're pieces of people's imagination. But there's nothing there. Paul basically saying it doesn't taint the meat, so you can eat it without it coming the idol coming into your body. But what he, what he goes on to say, but if you're in a person's house and they believe it, and 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 they know you don't, and you're a Christian, and if you partake of it, then they think you're doing it. And Paul is saying it's lawful for me, but I'm not going to be brought under that power. You understand what he's saying? He's saying uh, it's, it's, it's lawful, but I'm not going to be brought under the power. Well, there, there are a million things in our world today that we as Christians encounter that are, that are lawful for us. We're not going to lose our salvation over them, but if they're, if they're harmful to our body or they're harmful to the church body, they're harmful to our family, we should not participate. We just should we should have enough discipline that we say, mm, you know, I'm not going to do that. I could do that if I wanted to, but I'm not going to do that. It's not good for me. 
it's not good for my spirit. I'm just not going to do that. I, I don't, I, I, I'm for, the, for Christ's sake, I'm not being holier than thou or anything. For Christ's sake, I'm just not going to do that. You know, I can tell people sometimes, you know, I, I, that, that'd be too tempting for me to sin. I don't want to tell them what, what you're doing is wrong, kind of stupid, but I said, it'd be, be too tempted for me to sin. I'm so weak in the flesh, I'd go crazy. Let me just throw an example. I grew up in an alcoholic's home. That, uh, alcoholic is a very nice word. Um, it, was, it was much worse. It's much worse than that word implies. And so, believe it or not, when I, when I got out of that home, I drank myself. And uh, so, I, it, it, you'd think that would have changed me. But when I came to know Christ, and I look back, and I see the damage that it did, and I see the damage that it did to my mother, who didn't drink, and when I see the damage it did to my brothers and sisters and to myself, and, and I, when I read in Scripture, I'm against drinking. Now, I don't think the Bible prohibits, prohibits it. it. It prohibits drunkenness. And if you want to drink, uh, uh, you do so in moderation. And I'm, I'm not encouraging you to do that. I'm just saying I'm not going to condemn you. I, I don't think the Bible is against that. Uh, but I, what I am saying is that it is wrong for me to do that when I see the damage is done. I don't want to be brought into the power of that. I don't want to be brought into the power of that. <clears throat> okay, I'm, I'm going to let that go. Just pass by, pass by the rest of that. But do you understand there are a lot of things that are lawful for us, uh, but, but, they're, but they're not good for us. I should throw it. I mentioned smoking earlier. I smoked when I grew up as a teenager, and uh, uh, you know, and it's, it says right on the package, stupid. It says, it says. <laughs> well, that that's a paraphrase of what it actually says. <laughs> so these may be harmful for your health, and we know enough science to know it is harmful for your health. But I I was addicted. I was addicted. I still. I can put my hand in my shirt pocket and think, where are my cigarettes? <laughs> After 50-something years, you know, and, and I smell a pipe, smell, and I thought, hmm, I'd like to have that, along with a, along with a cool one. <clears throat> <laughs> I never drank much. I was too cheap. <clears throat> so... And I'm not proud of it. I don't mean to make jokes, but I'm not proud of it. But I'm just saying, we're human, and we live in a world that's sin-cursed, and we're saved, and we are secure in Christ. But you need to recognize, that's not good for me. That's not good for me. I told you before, some, there, there's, some, there's some news programs that I can't watch, even though I agree with every single thing they say. I agree with every principle that they give. But they ruin my spirit. They make me angry. They make me want to go hurt somebody. And I'm not big enough to hurt people. So, and, and, I don't, and, I, and I don't want to have, I don't want my spirit to be ruined. So I don't, don't do that. Um, you know, we need, to be, we need to be thinking and contemplating on the grace of God and the goodness of God. And our lives are much more balanced and much more happy. So this is how you guard, this is what Paul said, don't be brought under the power of anything that is not good for you and that's not right for you or helpful. And then he 
talked about food for the stomach, stomach for foods, but God will destroy both in them. <clears throat> now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but it is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. He's talking about he's going to destroy the stomach one day. When we go to heaven, we're going to eat, but we're not going to eat because we have to have protein, we have to have carbs. We're not going to eat because of that. We're going to have a body like Christ's body, and we will eat for the enjoyment of it, and uh, not because we need the energy. Uh, but what he's saying is that what sexual sins you do in the body is going to affect your eternity. It's going to affect the blessing of God throughout eternity. We're going to be rewarded. We already looked at that in this, in this book. We're going to be rewarded for what we do in this life as a Christian, and if it's not for the sake of Christ, it's going to be burned up. If it is for the sake of Christ, it will be as jewels, and those jewels will go with us throughout all of eternity. And what are the jewels? The jewels is, I don't know how to describe it. It's not riches, it's not wealth in that sense, but it is a sense of the presence and intimacy of God and the reward of God in our lives. And, and that's going to be different based upon what you do with your Christianity, with your Christian life from the time that you were saved. And uh, so if you get involved in sexual immorality, you're damaging your body today. Here, here's what, uh, let me see if I can find it in my notes. Um, Wearsby said this. I can't find it, so I'm going to paraphrase. Wearsby said, it's like a man who robs a bank, and you get something from it, but you're going to be required of it. You're going to, uh, they're going to catch you one of these days, and it's not worth it in the end. And so uh, that's what we, if we get involved in sexual immorality, that's what it does to our body. Uh, and then he goes on to explain, verse 14, God has raised up the Lord, and he'll also raise up by his power our bodies. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Now remember, we've already looked about the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and now he's going to say your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Or do you not know, verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her, for the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside his body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. So you know what it means? It means that if you're watching the Cowboys play and you watch the cheerleaders or you watch the halftime show or whatever, and, and it is rampant sexuality, and what it does to you is it diminishes who you are. It, 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 has, a, it has an impact on yourself, and it diminishes who you are. And it will diminish who you are until it's repented of, and, 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 and you overcome it in the Lord. And even though you're a Christian, and those images bombard us all the time. Do they not? All the time. Um, and it's just astounding. Uh, it's astounding that if, we're ra- if you're raising 
teenage boys and maybe even girls. I don't know. Not a girl, so I don't understand. But if you're raising teenage boys and they grow up sexually pure, that is a miracle of God. You pray for that. You, you beg God for that. And, uh, and then you have them in church and, and being taught and being taught these things. And maybe it'll be a shield of protection for them. But I, it, it, it's astounding if they make it without some measure of, of sin in their lives. I, and I'm not, I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying it's because it's just everywhere. I, I as an old man, am bombarded with sexual temptation in my world. And probably yours, you are too. And it's just astounding to us. And, I, I, and so if, if you give in to that in every way, it's a sin against your own body. It's a sin against Christ and a sin against your own body. That's just strong, strong stuff. Well, our time is all gone. And so I want to just finish. There's, there's one more little paragraph. Verse 19. Now, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, you're not your own. You're bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He tells us to flee, flee. Flee means run away. Flee sexual immorality. Run away from it. You Maybe you have to get rid of your television. Maybe you have to get rid of the Internet. Maybe you have to do, do, do whatever. Uh, but you, you flee. Flee means you get away from it. And as best you can. Pray with me, and we'll go to church. No, no Bible class next Sunday, Easter. Uh, pray with me. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, uh, Father, you want us to live lives that uh, bring glory to you and peace to us. And, uh, Father, uh, we want peace in our hearts. We want peace with you. We want to glorify you, and so help us to uh, look at the things in our life and realize that all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. And let us choose the things that are helpful and do away with the things that are not. And Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. We need your word to help us make those decisions and give us courage. And we will be grateful in Christ's name. Amen.